0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: I know we normally talk football here. We've done a lot. We'll go around the scoreboard and everything else for Week 18. But I have to take a moment and bring in Alan Hahn a Barton Hahn, Monday through Friday, from noon to 3, right here on 98.7 ESPN. And, of course, his fabulous MSG work and his analyst work on the radio and TV to talk a little Knicks because – I'm looking at on X and there's a lot of discussion with Nick fans about this trade and this team and everything, so I wanted to um you know whenever I have Nick questions, this is who I go to. I go to Alan Hahn hey Alan, good Sunday evening, my friend. How are you?
0: Good evening, Larry. How are you
1: I'm doing great thank you here's look, before we get started to Nick, here's my biggest question for you. yes, I want to know as a jet fan today. <laughs> Okay. What, Why? What was your What was your thought process? Now, I know you weren't watching the game because I heard you tell Bart you're not even watching the game today. Done. All right. So, But thought process-wise,
0: mm-hmm.
1: was it not that it's over? Were you happy that you finally ended the 15-game losing streak against Belichick? Or are you unhappy because now it means that you're probably drafting in the double figures when you would have been drafting earlier and you were a better
0: shot at getting that offensive lineman that you so desperately need? I'm going to go with door number three. Apathetic. <laughs> it's completely apathetic. Like, I, I, I didn't I didn't want to get – you know, I, I saw that Brees Hall had a big game. I didn't want him to play because I didn't want him to get hurt. Right. I saw Garrett Wilson left the game with a concussion. Don't love that. Didn't mm-hmm. want him to get – like, I don't – like, the most important game that the Jets will play is week one of this next season not week 18 of this lost season so i don't care like that's how i felt i don't care Uh it's meaningless means nothing and now of course new england will draft their quarterback of the future who will haunt us for the next 15 years yeah that's all this uh, to me i just look at it like that like if this is going to follow the script the script is they'll get who you know They'll get the quarterback that didn't go one and two, that everybody will look back on this draft and say, oh, my God, how would you not take this guy one? The Patriots will take him at three, and he will haunt this division for the next 15 years. So <laughs> uh, the, the short answer is, how do I feel? I'm apathetic. I got you. I understand that. Yeah. They, they won. They wore you down. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. Like, I, honestly, because a win doesn't mean a damn thing, and it's it's yep. all about week one, and – Aaron Rodgers delivering finally. We they, they made us wait an entire year for Aaron Rodgers, and so the, this it better pay off. Like it uh-huh, better be yeah. worth it. That's all. all right. That's how I feel. It better be yep. worth
1: it. Yeah, and if they don't do some changes, it won't be. Nope, <laughs> it won't yeah, be. You're right. You're right. It won't be. Yeah. All right, my friend. Let's let's. Can we talk about better things? Face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a smile on your face. Let's do that, Alan. Let's talk about this Nick team. Now we know it's not a finished product. Okay, let's make that let's make that statement first. Okay, but what are you seeing from this team with the addition of OJ and
0: It's those rare perfect fit kind of deals, right? And everybody wanted to talk about. I remember the very first day of the, the trade, and the text that I got, and then the calls we got on our show, has been so much consternation about. I heard fans using words like, we got fleeced. I heard like, like a fan saying, oh, we got fleeced. And I'm going, do you, do you know who OG Ananobi is? You have any idea who he is? And then it's, you know, the, that, and I understand this part losing two young players. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like watching kids go off to college. You know, you're like, you're happy for quickly he's going to get a chance, but you're really going to miss him. Right. Like, I get that emotion. But if you take away all of it and you look at it, sometimes trades are good for both teams. You don't always have to win a trade. Sometimes this is just a better fit for us right now, and that's a better fit for where you are right now. That's what this trade was. And then when you watch the last four games, it's not like O.G. Ananobi has has come into this team and now he's dropping 20 a night and he's just blowing you away. What he's doing and has done, is so subtle, and it's simply this. You have replaced a true wing 3 and D player that is a very active body who is a multifaceted defender, like versatile enough to guard anybody, literally anybody. He can guard fives, he can guard ones, like he can switch, his help, his instincts. There's so much about what he does, and then he's got a motor That while when you look at him, he looks completely, like you talk about, like a blank stare. Mm. Like, OG never looks like he's either in a panic or happy. Like, he's just blank stare. But the motor's off the charts. His instincts, all those things. So you swapped him out for a guy in R.J. Barrett who's really more of a, I need the ball, I'm a scorer. Like, that's what I've always been. And he's not a great three-point shooter, so he's not a great threat from there. He's not a great defender. He doesn't have great length. He's not an instinctual player. So those are things. So the Knicks didn't need another scorer. They needed everything that Adanobi was. So you swap them, and now all of a sudden you're like, wow, everything just suddenly unlocked. And now Brunson and Randall are just doing their thing And what you have, and don't forget also the the movement of DiVincenzo into the starting five has also been a a factor here because he's a high-motor, high instinct, and a really good three-point shooter and athletic. So now you have DiVincenzo and Ananobi who are on your wings, essentially. Your two and your three are your wings. And they're a perfect fit around two ball-dominant scorers and then a big man who doesn't need the ball isn't going to complain and is willing to do all the dirty work possible. You put all that together and that's a hell of a starting five. So it's really unlocked a lot of things. Now I'll finish it with this. You're right in what you said. It's not complete because while the bench had a really good game in Philadelphia, the bench in these games, Chicago game stood out uh, and even against Washington, it stood out. when the bench came in aside from Josh Hart, who's been phenomenal. Hmm. You know, like Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, like, you, you know, you're, you're getting inconsistent performances from them. And it does suggest with no quickly and those 15 points a game that before the trade deadline, you got this feeling they're going to need to find themselves a professional scorer who can come in off the bench. Who that's going to be, I don't know. But I just think they're going to need a guy who they know can give you some offense and handle the basketball. And that's something we're going to watch the next couple of weeks.
1: No, you haven't gone to sleep and missed the whole day. Alan Hahn is my guest here on 98.7 ESPN here on The Drive. Uh, Alan, a couple of things. First of all, for the people who love RJ, and you mentioned it, he's going to be really good in Toronto because he's going to go back to being a guard. So that's he's going to be a backcourt guy, Alan. He was at the three with the Knicks. So that's going to help him a little bit. What True. The, tr- the quickly thing is, listen. You have to give to get. Yes. As I told you have to give to get. They don't make this deal. They've been trying to make this deal for two years. Mm-hmm. They finally make this deal. And to me, Alan, I got to tell you, I was surprised with all the saccharoning I'm hearing about legal cases and whatnot. <laughs> I said, oh, God, we're never going to get OG Ananobi now because of all this situation. What, how, how, how important was it to get this move done, especially with Mitchell Robinson being done probably for the year?
0: Yeah, and again, it's it's adding a guy who can defend, which when you lost Mitchell Robinson, it affected your, your defense. So I, I do think it was something, and you're right, you remember, trade deadline, they thought they had a chance to get him then, and people need to remember, too, that would have cost you multiple firsts. Mm-hmm. That's what the Raptors were asking for, multiple firsts. And you didn't want to do that, which is understandable. So you wait a couple of months, you wait until the next year, and then you're able to do that. So without giving up firsts and keeping them for a potential deal down the road. So, yes, it was critical because in the month of December, Larry, the Knicks' defense, which, by the way, October, November, the Knicks were a top five defense in the NBA, defensive rating-wise, top five. The month of December, isolated, they were third worst in the league in defensive rating, third worst. They were giving up 120 points a game night after night after night. Their defense was falling apart. So they had to do something. You bring in a guy like this – And it just, like I said, it's very rarely can you just wave the magic wand and the problem's fixed. This kind of fixed the problem with their defense. So now in January, I know it's only four games, but small sample size, guess where they are? Top four again defensively. Mm. So they get themselves back to where they're supposed to be. The foundation of this team is hard work, defense, hustle, determination, all those things. They have two elite scorers. But we know this is not a, a high-end offensive team. They have to do everything with their defense, and they got back to that, which is, a you know again, a great sign. Julius Randle has been very
1: much criticized for his play since he's been here. I'm raising both my hands. I've been one of the people that have criticized him a lot, turnovers and whatnot. Yep. But, Alan, I got to say, over the past month, He's cut down on the turnovers. There's been some wild ones, but he's cut down on the turnovers, and he's really just decided, I'm not throwing up threes. I'm deciding I'm going in the paint, and I'm punishing people. And, Alan, I like that. It's a different Julius Randle. It's it's the Randle that I think he should be. The big question, obviously, is going to be, listen, we love him. We love this Julius Randle. Looking forward, Alan, we're always going to – He's always going to be picked on because he's not produced in the postseason. So for right now, I'm enjoying the game by game with my eye on, can he really
0: do this in the postseason? I thought last year's postseason, remember, he went into it with the ankle injury, right? Uh That ankle injury he sustained. It was against Miami, and it was late in the season. And then they missed him for the rest of the season. He got himself ready to play in the playoffs. And in the first round, he was just getting himself back, and I thought, I believe it was well, it was it was game five, I believe because remember he retweaked it. I thought it was in game two maybe in that series, right? Mm-hmm. And then they missed him, and then he comes back, and it was game five first half, if you remember, when they closed out the series, he was a monster in that first half. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And then he he hurts it again, and that's why he missed game one of the series against the heat. Comes back in game two. So he was compromised on the ankle. Now, are we making excuses? Of course we are. Because sometimes they are legitimate. He wasn't fully healthy, yet he had moments where he played really well. We always go back to the Atlanta Hawks series two years ago, three years ago now, where he, they, they completely shut him down and bottled him up, and he wasn't very good. But I really do think that the ankle is a bigger reason for what we saw in the playoffs then, you know, oh, he's just not a guy that can perform in the postseason. The turnovers are a major issue. Everybody knows when he's dribbling too much that's a problem. The minute the ball starts to dribble like 3-4, now you know, okay, the spin's coming and the weak side defender's coming to take it. That is – I think we all look at it like that car accident that we all see coming except for the drivers in the cars. Mm-hmm. Like every single time you count that fourth dribble, you, you I, I don't know about you, but my heart rate just skyrockets because I know – Something bad's about to happen. They, they've, you know, I mean, they've got to fix it with him. They've got to work on it with him. But some of our f- most favorite players that have played for the Knicks have had these types of flaws, haven't they? Yeah. Patrick Ewing. Patrick would have the same kind of issues a lot of times offensively. Mm-hmm. You'd see him on the post and you'd know, uh oh, here it comes. The fadeaway jumper. Like the little things that you didn't like about his game that he would fall into that you just had to say to yourself, man, why does he keep doing that? You know, John Starks had his things. The guys we loved had their flaws. Mm -hmm. But he has become so much better at one thing over the last two months that I think is worth talking about. And that, Larry, is he's no longer settling as an offensive player. And I'm talking about three-point shots. You know, he really lived off the three-point shot two years ago. And last year it kind of was like – okay, you're not that good of a three-point shooter, right? Like, you're, you're, you had a good year one year as a three-point shooter, but it's not really who you are. And then the more he started to settle and take them, and you're like, why are you taking seven, eight, nine threes a game? Like, you shouldn't be doing that. So December, well, again, I'll go back to that. So November, uh, in November, he was still doing it a little bit early in the season. But in December, I was looking at his numbers. He took 30 fewer threes same amount of games, 14 games in November, 14 games in December. He took 30 fewer three pointers in December. And that trend continues for him because, and I'll give it, I'll tell you, it could be the Brunson effect. Mm-hmm. Teams are so focused on him that if you're going to play Randall one-on-one and Randall said this to Clyde and, uh, and Bill Pito last night after the game, he said, he's watching film and he realized like, I can go wherever I want one-on-one. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And that's what he's been doing. So I appreciate the adjustment he's made in his game there and hoping it continues the rest of the season.
1: Absolutely. Alan Hartenstein has been unbelievable. He has been unbelievable. You know, it's one of the subtle moves that Leon Rose and company made. He has been major. And. The thing that I like about him and listen, I love Mitchell Robinson too, but better ball handler, better free throw shooter. True. I can keep him on the floor late in games.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and his, his defense just keeps getting better to a point Mm -hmm. where I didn't know he was his, his timing as a shot blocker is unbelievable. Like what we've seen from him lately and who he's gotten on these blocks. Yeah. It's almost like the word needs to get out. Don't try this dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you might not want to try dunking on him because he's going to get you. And he's had, to, I mean, he got Embiid, he got Gobert. He's gotten a couple of very impressive uh, blocks at the rim. And what I like about him is he's just like Mitchell Robinson, where he's not sitting there demanding the ball in the post. He's not, he doesn't get moody if he doesn't get the ball. Like there's bigs in this league that if they're not touching the basketball offensively, they start to pout. Yeah. And Hartenstein, just like Robinson, he thrives off of rebounding, you know, getting those blocks defensive, and then the occasional, okay, a nice little pocket pass so I can get a dunk or two so I can flex. And that's what he's become. You're right about it. We didn't know what the Knicks signed when they signed him, but when I talked to Ty Lu about him, remember he played with the Clippers before mm-hmm. he was with the Knicks, Ty Lu raved about him and said he's more of an offensive player than you know, and he's a really good passer. And then, little by little, as the Knicks have learned how to play with him and use him, you're starting to see that he makes really good passes. He moves to the right spots, sets great screens, and his rebounding and defense is better than I ever thought it was. So he has really filled that blank that we thought would be a devastating loss. And now it's a matter of, as I go, you know, again, I'll go back to the bench thing. Can Jericho Sims, can, you know, can Precious Achua, who they acquired along with Ananobi, and those guys make up enough reserve time when he's not in the game so there isn't that big of a drop off defensively and on the boards. It's going to be huge cuz you know that means more
1: playing time for the starters because Tibbs is not not very patient if they're not they not right producing that. off that bench. Yep. He will put those starters in and then you start to worry about 35 38
0: minutes a night for your starters. Of course. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's typical, you know, like that is not something that I I always say this. Look at the best teams and the biggest stars. Those it's not like those guys play 31, 32 minutes a game. That's why they t- that's why they do the load management games. Because instead of me cutting back your minutes per game, I'm just going to give you an extra night off this week against a team that I think we could beat without you. Right? Like the, mm-hmm. I, I think that's more of the plan where Tibs and this group; these guys don't like taking nights off. And, and you know, I know that that might sound cliche, but I'm dead serious. Like when you give like Julius Randle an option, like, hey, you know, playing the Wizards tonight, we're probably not going to need you, right? Like we could beat this team without you. Like no, I want to play. Like, he doesn't want to sit out. Jalen Brunson, Brunson gets mad if he misses a game because of injury He's Furious. Yeah. So like again, like, how many minutes per game do you think Kevin Durant plays? You mean when he's available? <laughs> well, I'm saying, but no, no, but still, <laughs> yeah, but the high thirty-five 30's no years question. old, yeah, thirty-five high 30's. years old, like for, for the high minutes, 30's. police out there that are they they're really big on this whole thing of Tibbs runs guys into the ground, okay? Jalen Brunson is averaging thirty, a little under thirty-six minutes a game. That's mm-hmm. not even in the top ten in the NBA, not a, not in the top ten. I can give you want you want to hear the players in the top ten. That are in the Eastern Conference that play more minutes per game than Jalen Brunson. Yeah, give, give me a few. All right. Well, Tyrese Maxey is leading the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's the, the the Sixers starting point guard. And without him, if something happens to him. They're dead. Yeah. Right? They're dead. But he plays 37 minutes a game. Oh, well, he's 23 years old. He's just a kid. Okay. Fine. You know, but that's fine. Um, the next one I'll give you, uh, well, Miles Bridges with, with Charlotte, but, again, they they stink. Uh, DeMar DeRozan with the Bulls. He's 35 years old, 36, 37 minutes a game. Uh, Jason Tatum, do you think he plays a lot? Of course he does. Yeah, Why? Sure. They need him to. The Celtics yep. bench isn't very good. So he plays a ton. He's, he's playing th- almost th- – also, 36 and a half minutes a game. Trey Young, point guard of the Hawks, 36 minutes a game. You see the trend here. So Brunson is under 36 minutes a game. So it's not as if Tibbs is overplaying his guys and running them into the ground. Now watch Brunson's minutes without quickly, of course. Mm -hmm. Now I'll go to this one. Julius Randle did not have a backup, right? We had no, that was the biggest complaint we heard from everybody. Oh, we have no backup power forward. He's going to play Randle. He's going to run Randle into the ground. Julius Randle is 15th in the league. He's playing the same amount of minutes or just under the same amount of minutes as Jalen Brunson without a backup four. So again, it's way it's, you can manage these minutes and it's not something that is overwhelming. And the best players in the league play the most. That's just how it always works. But I know in New York, we always want to find the thing to worry about. Right, Larry? Yeah, we have absolutely. to worry about something. Yeah. So we'll worry about minutes. We're starving, Alan. (laughs) We're starving here. I know. We're starving. I know, but when you're starving, when you're starving, the one thing you don't do is like, I'm only going to eat a little then. I'm just going to eat a little because if I eat too much, I might get too full. Like, come on. No. Like, this team is one four in a row. They're they're season high, six games over 500. They are now fourth in the East, which is where I kind of projected they would be. Mm -hmm. Like, they're right there. And, oh, by the way, they have just finished the hardest part of the schedule. Like that's it. After like this weekend, they go back on the road for two more games. Yeah. But they got Portland Tuesday. That's you know not a very good team. They're young, mm-hmm. right? And then they've got uh, Dallas and Memphis. Now Memphis has had their troubles, but with with Jaw back, maybe they're a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Dallas has had Luca or you know Kyrie in the lineup, one or the other, but not both that much. And you know, but they're still that's a good team. Mm-hmm. But after all this, they have a ton of home games yeah. because they played so many road games, and their strength of schedule. Is now suddenly one of the ten easiest with the rest to remain the season. So you look at it as here's now the opportunity not to back off, but to go pedal to the metal mm-hmm. and make sure you can secure yourself a top four spot in the East. And in the meantime, with the next couple of weeks coming and the trade deadline, make an addition that could just get you that much closer to being a team that could scare some contenders into you know in, in a playoff series, and that's where you want to get. That's just a little taste of the analysis you get every day, Monday through Friday from
1: noon to three with Alan Hahn and Bart Scott. And they don't just talk basketball. They talk everything. They talk football. They talk movies. They talk music. They talk everything. Make sure if you haven't listened to them, you don't know what you're missing. Tune in tomorrow and prove me out. Alan, thanks for a couple of minutes tonight, my friend. Be good. And uh, tell your son I said hi. I'm waiting I'm waiting for his hockey jersey when he makes the NFL.
0: <laughs> Appreciate you, Larry. Thanks so much. Take care, Alan.
1: Alan. 1-800-919-3776. says let us get your thoughts on what Alan Hahn had to say. Of course, we got a wrap-up of all the scores in the National Football League. Buffalo and Miami are underway. We'll get all to that next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's the ESPN New York Superbox Bonanza 5 starting tomorrow. That's this Monday. Tomorrow, we're giving away over $10,000 in cash and prizes. Now, all qualifiers will get a $25 Fanatics gift card and a chance to win one of 10 Superboxes with prizes, including a big screen TV, PlayStation 5, MetaQuest, and much more. Get your box for the big game by listening to D.P. and Rothenberg from 6 to 10 a.m., Bart and Han from noon to 3, and, of course, the Michael K. Show from 3 p.m. to 6.30 for a chance to win, get this, $500 in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and a final score payout of $2,000. It's all brought to you by tell do Iris Whiskey. For full contest details, go to ESPNNewYork.com. You'll get to the calls in a second. Alan Hahn made a great point about the situation with the uh, Knicks and their tough schedule. All right, so they they beat Philadelphia Friday. They beat Washington Saturday in the back-to-back. Home for Portland tomorrow night, Thursday in Dallas, Saturday in Memphis. Their next road game would be at the Barclays on Tuesday, January 23rd. And there'll be a lot of Knicks fans there. So that's like a half home game. And then their final road game of the month at Charlotte, January 29th. They have four consecutive home games starting on the Dr. King Day against Orlando and they've got something they need a little they need to put Orlando uh, uh, Orlando in their place a little bit because Orlando punished them on the boards which I think is the other reason why they made that move so quickly to try to get Ananobi because they were just manhandled on the boards against Orlando. They're a big physical team. So you got Orlando, Houston, Washington and a Saturday, January 20th game when RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly come back home to the Garden that's going to be interesting. I know that they've got that game circled on their calendar. There's no question about that. No question about it. No score in the Sunday night football game between Miami and Buffalo, although Tua has thrown an interception, so Buffalo has the ball. We'll get you caught up on that game and come back and talk to you on the phones next on 98.7
0: ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty. On 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's amazing A Buffalo adds Leonard Fournette to their backfield that has already been really good with uh, Cook, who's who's got 1,500 yards on the ground. Whew. It's interesting. They're driving for a score. No score yet, but uh, they're second and goal at the 6. Back to the phones who go. Spike is in St. Pete. Hey, Spike.
2: Hey, Larry, good to talk to you. Glad to talk some hoops. Poodle always says it was best when Alan was on. And then the drive back and the call to you <laughs> at the station with the Hall of Famer and, and, and Larry and uh, and not Larry and, and Wally and, yep. and uh, Alan was, uh, almost hit a car. I mean, but uh, the beauty of that, <laughs> not to make fun of that, of course, was that uh, it was hot off the plate, as they say. But yep. uh, listen, I, I in my communications with you, you know, I said they're like uh, they just cause so much havoc and bedlam. Uh, off of uh, a miss in transition, if you notice, in the four games, which I pulled apart by Taffy, uh, on a miss, and if it's a long three between the hash mark and and the top of the key on the other side, the three of them in the game, uh, OG, uh, DiFecenzo, and uh, Hart, there's been about twice as many deflections. I've been looking at the numbers. Uh, They just get their hands in the way. Have you noticed that?
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. They're really good, yeah. Spike. They're really look, good at understanding passing lanes.
2: Right, yeah. And they're, they're long, especially mm-hmm. – uh, you know, oh, The deep descends has got very fast hands. But yes. if you notice this, it's, it's very intriguing to me. In the four games, look, two of the teams were they, – they, they just took Phillies back behind the woodshed. I thought Embiid was compromised in the game. But uh, as Chicago came in, played their rear ends off, and Milwaukee just got flat out beat. That was a payback for one of the earlier games. But what they basically did is they lowered their uh, points against by 29. Mm-hmm. In other words, they were giving up or whatever they wanted. They've uh, lowered it by 29 points a game in four games. They're giving 120 less to their average uh, points against for the last three weeks when they are given up 130. And I yeah. said that last night. I said it to you. I said, Indiana's not going to be contenders in the playoffs with that tear-ass basketball. They went into Boston and got – at Boston, Boston went to them and held them to 105. Look, mm-hmm. we got a good team. We don't move fast. We wait, we wait, we wait. The UFA, if Donovan Mitchell's the guy, just sit tight. You'll get him in 10 months. If he goes to Kobe Altman and says, I'm an RFA, I'm not resigning here, and if I get a good offer, I'm not going to tell them I'm not signing an extension. I want to go to the Knicks. So I would wait. I wouldn't touch it. Who's going to fall into your lap? Kawhi's going to stay there because mm-hmm. Tyrone Wu got him to be the focal point. They could be a contender. Yeah. Denver's going to be a contender. Yep. And I think the Knicks have a better chance to beat the Celtics than the Bucs. What do you say?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. I, yeah, because I just – Giannis is dangerous. That's all I'm going to say. And I think Damian Lillard is going to make a difference in that postseason. I just do. The fact that that you're not asking – Giannis to close, like I don't need you to close. You have to defend, you know. You have to defend Lillard, and I think Middleton's going to have something to say too. He he's that guy. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be he's going to be really good. Their issue is their bench play. See, that's what's going to bother them. Very few, you know, you know. There's no perfect teams in the NBA. It just isn't. You know, it just isn't. As Allen mentioned, Buffalo's, uh Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, um, Boston's bench is not great. You know, it's not. But, uh, you know, for me right now, all I'm doing, I'm just trying to enjoy the regular season. Don't worry about the postseason when you get there, okay? I'm not trying to evaluate the trade compared from compared from who to what. I'm just trying to enjoy what I'm seeing from this team. And, uh, you know, am I concerned about the bench and scoring? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I understand what Allen did by breaking down all the, you know, all the numbers by guys that play? He's 1,000% right. But here's the thing I know about Tibbs. Even when the game is over, Tibbs likes to keep his guys in there. Those other coaches with those minutes, they don't. So that's the only concern I have. You know, because I saw it last year. Saw it last year. That's how that's how Randall got his ankle hurt. Should have been on the bench. He's playing. Did it with RJ. Should have been on the bench. He was playing. That's my concern. I get what Alan's saying about minutes, and yeah, that's 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 what happens, but uh, I would like to see this bench get a little more aggressive, and play a little better. And the the thing I will say is because their schedule is easier, over the next couple of weeks, you have time to be patient with that bench and try to get them going. That's going to be the situation. That that's going to be a positive. Bulldogs in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on ninety eight seven.
3: My big bro, you know Papa Large. He just took the words right out of my mouth. I was just <laughs> about to say that,
2: man.
3: <laughs> yeah, man. Listen to you, Allen. That, that that reminds me of the good old days. I tell
1: you,
3: man. you know, <laughs> I hope I'll probably do all well. I haven't heard from him, and yeah, it's been a
1: while. But you
3: know, those were good times, man. I miss those times. I miss some of those callers. Everything. Those were really good times.
2: Yeah. And
3: the only thing consistent these days with the radio has changed. But you know, what yeah. can we do?
2: Yeah.
3: Um. Look. Jet season's over. And if Allen was apathetic about it, you know, I, I was indifferent maybe about four weeks ago, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. You know, all I have to worry about now, next year, is um, hopefully they can improve the interception celebrations. The choreograph was not good. Oh, it was <laughs> need brutal. To work on that. Wasn't it brutal? <laughs> they didn't oh. work on it. I mean, I don't know what that was. It was like the ball was like a hot potato. Like, I don't know what they were doing. Yeah. But, you know, we all have um, hopes and dreams that we can always look forward to, you know, an immature, petulant, and unavailable 40-year-old coming back next year, bigger and better than ever. And I'm sure Joe Douglas is going to get that offensive line right in year six, and Rob Salah is going to climb to the top of the charts as an in-game coach and a real leader. <laughs> I ain't going to hold my breath for that, and I would advise you to bet no money on that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> look, with, with the hoops, with the Knicks, I mean, your Knicks put a thumping on my sixes the other night, and, you know... I mean, I don't get mad about stuff like that. First of all, mm-hmm. it's a regular season game. Right. But second of all, you know, look, there's nothing that I learned there that I didn't already know. We spoke about this a thousand times. Yes. i talk yep. about it. Embiid was compromised. And B's always going to be compromised when he's stepping on somebody's foot. He's falling. I mean, you know, he went to the Mitchell Robinson School of fall with. But, you know, the thing is, is that, and, and Alan mentioned it, and this is why I was arguing with Ty about last year. I told him, I said, "There's no way Phoenix is going to beat the Denver Nuggets." I said, "When well, you have two players with a usage rate that Durant and Booker were being used as, and now with the with, with Sixers, you have an even more incredible usage rate." And look, I, Kelly Oubre to me is more aggressive and, and, and quite honestly, a better player now than Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris needs to be relegated to the bench. You know, he's not even passive aggressive; he's passive passive. Mm. And, and the whole thing is, is that. They don't have a bench, so they're going to have to make some moves. But as presently constituted, I never bought into the idea that the Sixers are really a title contender. Can they win fifty games? Yes. Can they get to four or three? Yes. But you know how it is in the playoffs. You got to have multiple guys that can defend. You got you need to be able to spread the floor more with some more shooting. They got a couple of things to work on, and you know. And I'm glad Embiid is chasing MVPs, but I don't really care about that. You know what right. I want? I want to win. Yeah. But now with the Knicks. Yeah. The Knicks, obviously the trade has been a smash of success, and anybody who doesn't think so, I mean, look, we got to let that go. You know, um, the interesting thing to me is the dynamic between Worldwide West and Tibbs, because you know there was a little bit of a power struggle there. Mm -hmm. And um, Tibbs has won that power struggle, rightfully so. I mean, he's the first coach to to bring the Knicks to a, a playoff series win in eons, and you have to back your coach. I mean, he had one good year, then he had a bad year. There was not time to get rid of him or anything like that. But what's interesting to me is the idea that we still keep hearing from everybody, Wall joins other people, that they have to get this other superstar. Now, see, World Wide West was supposed to be brought in to get that other superstar. So I'm wondering, was he the guy that was pushing for Mitchell at all costs? I don't even think Mitchell's a superstar. But right. I wonder if he was the guy that was pushing for Mitchell at all costs, or was he the guy that said, "Look, we need to stick with RJ Barrett." I, I you know, I, I would love to get the inner workings and get an idea on that with them. But like I told you before, uh, and, and and I mean this, and like, like I said, I, and I don't group for the Knicks to be bad. I don't want them to be bad. That that doesn't help anybody. We have things to talk about when the teams are good here. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the top five players. You gotta throw that kid Shea Gillis Alexander. In yeah the you
1: do. Time. You and, do. And,
3: and 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 Wimbayama is on their is right on their on their coattails. All of these guys are foreign born players. Mm-hmm. So because it doesn't seem like that's going to work out. And focus on getting a worldwide search. Get your scouts out there in these other countries because one thing you do know about these players who come from other countries is two things you know.
1: Buddha, thanks for the phone call. It's a good point. It's a good point. 1 800 919 3776. We've got more calls and the NFL scoreboard next on 987 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
1: It's ESPN The Drive on 987 ESPN. I'm going to say the ESPN New York tonight. That's later in the week. All right, let's go around the scoreboard quickly before we leave you and take a couple of phone calls. We begin in New England. That's where Brees Hall rushed for 174 yards on a late touchdown as the Jets snapped their 15-game losing streak against New England with a 17-3 win in what could have been Bill Belichick's final game as the Patriots head coach. New England 4-13 record, the worst finish in Belichick's 29-year NFL coaching career. Today's loss also marked the 178th of Belichick's career, including playoffs, tying him with Tom Landry for the most ever. It also ties the record of 165 regular season losses held by Jeff Fisher and Dan Reeves. Meanwhile, at MetLife Stadium, Philadelphia had won five straight against the Giants and 13-15 of overall playoff included. And represented the only win in the December collapse by the Eagles. Saquon Barkley ran for one touchdown and then another. Jalen Hurts had a pass intercepted. Marcus Mariota replaced Hurts and promptly threw an interception. Tyrod Taylor t- threw for 229 yards in the first half. Giants led 24-0. They would win 27-10. Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and a host of injured, ineffective Eagles can only hope this is as bad as it gets. They are 1-5 and five heading into the postseason. They earned the fifth seed and will open the NFC playoffs next week at Tampa Bay. Trevor Lawrence had every chance to play the Jacksonville Jaguars into the playoffs for a second consecutive year as the AFC South champs. He wound up stopped short on the goal with 713 left. He also turned the ball over on downs with a minute 47 left as Tennessee behind Derrick Henry's 19 carries for 153 yards and a touchdown eliminated the Jags 28-20 in their regular season finale. Jags came in needing a win to clinch the second straight AFC South title, the first back-to-back crown since 98-99. Their loss makes Houston the division champs after C.J. Stroud yesterday for 264 yards and two scores to beat Indy. That cost the Jaguars their only way into the postseason after Pittsburgh also won yesterday. Speaking of Pittsburgh, Steelers linebacker TJ Watt, grade two MCL sprain. His brother JJ Watt said on social media, everything else looks fine. Everything else looks pristine. But added, his brother needs a couple of weeks of rest and recovery. He was hurt in the win over Baltimore. TJ was. The injury isn't as severely as isn't severe as initially feared, but... He will probably miss the first round of the playoff. Tampa Bay headed to the playoffs for the fourth straight season as they have their and they have their defense to thank for that. Chase McLaughlin kicked three field goals, defense pitched the shutout, and the Buccaneers defeated Carolina 9-0 today to win their third consecutive NFC South title. Derek Carr passed for four touchdowns to lift the Saints over the Atlanta Falcons, 48-17. Both teams missed out on the chance to win the division when Tampa Bay beat Carolina. So either New Orleans or Atlanta would have had to win the NFC South by winning a regular season finale. If the Buccaneers lost, that did not happen. So it is now, of course, Tampa Bay winning that division. Sam Laporta had a two yard touchdown catch midway through the first quarter, but later limped off the field with a knee injury. Ominous development for the NFC North champion Detroit Lions as they closed out the regular season with a 30 20 win over the Minnesota Vikings. Cleveland Colts Kevin Stefanski rested most of his starters in a 31 14 loss to Cincinnati. Browns will play at AFC South champion Houston in the wild card round next weekend. Aiden O'Connell passed for 244 yards and two touchdowns. Zamir White rushed for 112, and the relentless Vegas pass rush helped the Raiders continue their dominance over the Broncos, 27-14. It was the Raiders' eighth consecutive victory over Denver. Jordan Love threw for 316 yards, connected with Dontavian Wicks on the pair of touchdowns to send the Green Bay Packers to the playoffs with a 17-9 win. By the way, Jordan Love finished with 4,159 passing yards, 32 passing touchdowns. Only quarterbacks in NFL history to to exceed those totals in their first seasons as full-time starters, Patrick Mahomes and Kurt Warner. Geno Smith threw two touchdown passes. Seattle rallied for a 21-20 win over Arizona, but they still missed the playoffs after Green Bay beat Chicago, so the pack is in. Mike Edwards returned the fumble 97 yards for a touchdown. Harrison Bucker, 41-yard field goal. AFC West champion Kansas City beats Los Angeles, the Chargers, 13-12. Carson Wentz threw two touchdown passes, ran for another score, Rams 21-20 over the Niners. Dak Prescott and Dallas did what they sent out to do against the rival commanders. They win 38-10, and they, of course, win the division. That wraps up this edition of The Drive. We thank you for joining us. Julian Krishnick, great job as always. For those of you on the phones we didn't get to, sorry, we'll get to you during the week. I will join Gordon Damer on Tuesday night. We step away for the college football championship tomorrow night. Conversation continues here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)